This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the Business Locker Room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome to Business Locker Radio. Biz Locker Radio, we call it. It's brought to you by the Business Locker Room and our good friends at Rehearsal. And I'll talk a lot more about rehearsals as we go along. If you're joining us on Blab, we're live every week on Blab. If you haven't found the Blab video platform, got to go there. It's great stuff. But you may be listening live on the radio, or you might be listening to the podcast later in the week. Always great to have all of you with us. This is the show, the business radio show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use today. We're going to get a lot of that from our guest today. Donald Hatter, he's the author of 10 Things That Great Sales Leaders Don't Do. Really excited to have him in on episode number 81. That's right, 81 episodes uh, of one of the great business shows that you'll find. If you're looking to improve your business performance, I don't know how entertaining we are. Uh, we, get into, we get into some of it, uh, but I tell you what, if you own a business, sell a product, manage a team, you lead a company, this is definitely the show for you. Quality of the guests that we get on the show are absolutely phenomenal. And you need to do like I do. Go back and find us on iTunes. Subscribe to iTunes. Find the show. Listen to the show on your daily commute. I've got a number of people contact me each week, and they're telling me about shows they've listened to three, four, five, six, eight, ten weeks ago. Some of them for the second time say, "Kelly, I listened to it in the car. So many things I want to write down. Had to get it back out when I got back to the, back to the office or back home." Great to have you on board, Biz Locker Radio. You can find us at Biz Locker Radio. Com, and I really want to encourage you to go there, see all the past shows, all 80 of them, and you'll be able to listen to the podcast. And very shortly, we'll start having the Blab video broadcast on there as well for you to watch. And I'm your host. I'm Kelly Riggs. I am the uh, owner and the founder of the Business Locker Room. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. Love to have you on board. And uh, by the way, so many things going on coming up. I just the, the show gets better. I say this every week. The show gets better better and better. Donald Hatter will join me in just a few minutes. He may be a new name in your um, in, in your repertoire of salespeople, but uh, you're going to want to watch and find out more about him. Next week, we'll wrap up 2015 with my buddy Josh Miles. Josh Miles wrote a great book called The Bold Brand. Let me pull it out here and uh, show the guys on Blab what it looks like. Bold Brand, Bold Brand by Josh Miles. He has just finished up a phenomenal 12-article uh, series on in the Business Locker Room. Go on the blog uh, page there uh, for building your brand and your identity. Follows a lot of the pieces that are in that book. We're going to have him on next week. We'll review those 12 posts, or at least some of them, as time permits. Boy, it's going to be great stuff. The week after that, January 4th, first uh, show of the new year, Jack Kozakowski will join me. If you're in the social selling world, you're going to recognize that name, the 11th. Jeff Wolf will join me, join me, and that's a new name as well. Jeff Wolf was not a guy I was familiar with, but he's a worldwide consultant, great guy. He's got a brand new book out called Seven Disciplines of a Leader, 
And then finally on the 18th of January, looking four weeks out, Anthony Inarino, a good friend of mine uh, in, in the group that we run around with, has got a brand new book out. So I'm really, really excited to, to uh, tell you what all is coming up over the course of time. We just got so many great things going on at one time. But let's turn our attention to today's, to today's show. It's called Sales Leadership 101. Sales Leadership 101. And uh, Donald Hatter joins me as we talk about his brand new book, by the way, 10 Things That Great Sales Leaders Don't Do. Avoid these sales blunders and improve your performance. I want to tell you a little bit about Donald. He's an author, motivational speaker, sales and marketing professional with more than 20 years of relevant experience. He's developed partnerships with some of the great global brands you've heard of. Walmart, American Airlines, ExxonMobil, and many more just like it. And he has uh, gone out into uh, the consulting training world. He's a writer. He's a speaker. Does a lot of great things like that. And he joins us today to talk about his brand new book, Donald. Great to have you, man. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Great to be here. Excited to, to, to chat with you. You know what? About I some of these interesting things. Yeah, what I didn't mention is uh, you're kind of a neighbor. I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You're down in Texas, <laughs> way south neighbor. You're in Houston, Texas. But uh, not too far. About, not too far. A little bit about your background. Uh, you started off in in telecom, I believe, or was it was software effect, right? Well, yeah, so, so I, I've done a variety of things throughout the years. I started my career um, with, well, I'm dating myself, big six consulting firms. <laughs> yeah, <you are. laughs> like, I guess that's a 90s term now. Uh, so, so did a lot of consulting and then moved over and did a lot of startups. Uh, so I've done kind of the uh, big six management consulting startups uh, and then spent a ton of time in sales and marketing from a variety of different angles, uh, a variety of different business development angles, uh, so with a variety of different companies and prospects and things of that nature. So I um, really wanted to put something together uh, in this book that I thought was valuable, uh, but also added to the collective knowledge. And as you know, well aware of, there is so many good good pieces of work out there that people can learn from. I, you know, I struggled with how do I come up with something that's just a little different. So um, I, I wrote the book and, and what I really wanted to do is say, I, you know, I wasn't trying to, to teach a new sales methodology. Or I wasn't trying to teach a, a brand new set of sales techniques. Um, but with all the knowledge and all the experience, these are just some issues or some common mistakes or blunders that I, I ran into all hey, if I could just point them out, uh, then people could glance at the book and say, hey, either I'm doing these, I'm not doing these, with the whole idea to be able to identify some things that are, are keeping people from being as effective um, as they could be. So that was kind of the, the intent of, of writing the book. Uh, and that was kind of my approach. Oh, that's good stuff. Donald Hatter is my guest. And we're going to talk about his brand new book. Uh, the title of the book is 10 Things That Great Sales Leaders Don't Do. Avoid these sales blunders and improve your performance. And I, I'm excited to talk about it because several of those things aren't things that would normally come to mind. But once you mention them, I began to see uh, sort of the uh, methodology that you have uh, behind all the madness of writing a book. Listen, I know how difficult it is to write a book and how much time and effort it goes into it. And, and I know that for you to stop and sit down and write those things and put them on paper uh, takes, takes a lot of organization and so forth. But I, you're right. It adds to the collective knowledge. There's, there's probably two or three dozen books that any great salesperson, Donald, should have uh, in their bookshelf. No question about that. But you, you actually reference some of those. You talk about spin selling and some of the other accepted methodologies that are out there. But before we get into specifics on, on the 10 blunders, 
how, how did you how did you get down to these ten? Is it just something that you saw over and over again, or uh, how did you kind of collect these ten all in a group? So, so quite candidly, uh, many of them I I talked I talked to coworkers about throughout the years, so they just popped right up, and then I, I probably I had a list of. 12 or 13 or 14 I was like okay let's round it down to 10 and just pick out 10 uh, some of them are perhaps controversial because some some salespeople may look at and say hey I, I don't really buy into this um, and some seem simplistic but still happen often and and they really get in the way of of doing what it is you're trying to accomplish by the way if you're just so there's joining some of them us, like said yeah ahead. I'm sorry about that I said if you're just joining us you can find Donald, by the way, and his book at Donald Hatter, H-A-T-T-E-R, DonaldHatter.com. Follow him on Twitter at D Hatter Jr. I suspect that stands for Junior, Donald Hatter Jr., uh, D Hatter Jr. Uh, but let, let's start with that first one because uh, you, you, as you roll into this blunder, which is try to create a compelling event, you talk about the fact that, like a lot of us, I know this is kind of experience a lot of us has ha have had, we get to that point where we've made a case, we've got a good solution, it looks right, everybody's kind of nodding their head yes, and yet we come away with, with no order and we kind of shake our heads and we can't figure out why. And when you start talking about compelling event, it makes a lot of sense. Explain your, your thought process. So, so my thought process with not trying to create a compelling event, I'm just someone that believes and have heard uh, in my training that it, it's it's really not up to the salesperson to create the compelling event, right? You're, it, the compelling event is an event that happens primarily outside of your control um, that creates an environment such that you can then go in and sell your product or service or solution. Um, and oftentimes, I think, um, and this really comes into play when we're worried about forecasting, right? So oftentimes, um, and it being December 21st, it's about to happen all over the country, right? There are a right. bunch of deals that are being forecasted for either the end of the quarter or the end of the year, and all of a sudden, it's going to be a no decision. And in my mind, most of, that, most of the time is because the, the event, by definition, that has compelled an organization to spend hasn't happened. Um, where, where it does become tricky is that a lot of times compelling events happen and you don't know that they happen or they may have happened somewhere and not be obvious. So a lot of times sales managers will tell you, you need to just keep looking or you need to create this event for them. You need to tell them how good our product or service is and you can talk them into buying it. So that's one of the things, like I said, this is probably one of the most controversial because you don't want uh, salespeople to uh, not put forth the effort or not put forth the effort in building the relationship. Um, and as I talk about in the book, um, I, I've done that. Uh, the compelling event had not happened, and then once it had happened, the person called me because I had that relationship. So I'm not saying don't don't uh, pursue the relationship. Just realize if a compelling event hasn't happened, um, they probably aren't spending. Yeah, there are a lot of things that go into that. I mean, clearly, what we, we tend to, as you mentioned, we create these uh, these time boundaries, and we say I've got to close this within a certain time boundary because I've got it forecast. And so we try to make that the compelling event, Donald. And I think what I got out of that is so many times we're trying to manufacture something that's not there. It's not that there aren't compelling events or that we might not able be even be able to turn their attention to one. But, right. but, 
but they're really not interested in my compelling event. Really, that's my compelling event, not theirs, right? Absolutely. You wanting to close a sale to get a bonus at the end of the quarter doesn't really play into (laughs) why they're going to go budget money to to give to you in the next nine or ten days, right? That's just – that's not typically the way it works. And once again, it plays into the whole – um, forecasting aspect and, 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 you know, and subsequently losing to the big competitor call, uh, no decision, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, oftentimes yeah. that's, that's the issue, right? No, nothing has happened to compel them to spend. Um, Absolutely. I love literally. that. I love that. The competitor um, and called it, no decision. Yeah. And, and it, it's funny. So in, in large, you know, I've done a lot of software sales, which are, you know, five, six, seven-figure deals, and and it becomes a little a little bit more obvious in those instances. But even in the book, I think I use a uh, an example where if um, most of us probably know who live in the South that our air condition could be more efficient, for example, <laughs> right? Um, however, if someone knocks on your door today, uh, it's still warm here, by the way. <laughs> yeah, someone knocks on your door today and says, hey, they, they give you these brochures and they say, hey, I got this brand new air conditioner. And if you buy it, you're going to save X amount. Like do all the things that we say make sense. Right. Present the product, present the benefits, blah, blah, blah. Chances are probably will sit there and say, eh, not that interesting. Now, if the guy comes and gives that same presentation the day after my air condition breaks, <laughs> which is a which is a compelling event, sure. then his chances of closing that sale are, are, are much greater. So, that, I mean, that's kind of a simple example. But like I said, once again, the idea is it's really not up to the salesperson, in my opinion, to um, create the compelling event. Yeah, that's good stuff. Donald Hatter is my guest. Follow him at dhatterjr. Uh, on Twitter, and make sure you catch it up with him at donaldhatter.com as well. Well, that, that really kind of links really well to your fifth big blunder, and that's to rely heavily on ROI calculators just because you throw out that, that air conditioning idea. Someone rolls up and says, hey, I can save you this much on your uh, air conditioning costs, and it's going to re- pay for itself over this period of time. But you talk about relying too heavily on, on an ROI calculator. I think maybe that kind of maybe one of those things that you're talking about maybe not everybody would buy into but I, w- I was really interested to read about that tell us more sure so so RI calculators can take a, a, a variety of forms anything from a, a, a calculation on a piece of paper to a very sophisticated tool in a spreadsheet and things of that nature and everybody understands the idea of okay well if you invest in me here's going to be the return um, there's a couple problems I have I have with that and what I've learned is one the RI calculator in and of itself doesn't identify your solution it doesn't give your solution a competitive advantage right right because it's like you're saying well if you do this particular thing then this is going to be the investment well yeah but if I do that particular th- same thing with a competitor, then I get the same. I should get the same return. So, in and of itself, it doesn't it doesn't differentiate you. Uh, and the other big thing, um, as it relates to kind of ROI, I always believed in sales. You're better off talking about kind of what the problem is and what the problem is costing the the, the individual or the client, versus telling them what will happen if they buy buy your product or your solution. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, it does, and it kind of plays into that whole idea. I had a guy. Uh, on the show a few weeks ago by the name of Warren Claff and he wrote a book called Pitch Anything and it kind of plays into this idea that he was pursuing and that is uh, information has no persuasion, persuasive value in and of itself like you said if you, I could be getting it from you or you or you unless the product or solution you're selling me is absolutely unique in the world 
I probably can get pieces of that. But that's not the thing that's going to move me, Donald, to really make a decision. I, I need you to help me understand how it fixes a real problem, and that problem is mine, not yours. Too many, too many salespeople are just there to solve their own problem, and that's putting a commission in the bank, right? Well, and the other, and the other thing about an, R, an RI calculator um, that that gets that gets tricky is that I can say, hey, if you give me ten dollars, you'll save a hundred. But your solution may be compared to so many different other initiatives, especially when you're talking when you're talking about like IT solutions. Right. The CIO is looking at a hundred different solutions. So you, you're saying, well, if you give me ten, you'll save a hundred. Might not mean anything if it's right next to another ROI that says, well, you give me five dollars, you'll save two hundred dollars. So every right. and you as an individual salesperson wouldn't even necessarily know that because you don't know what that even that other solution even is or what it's trying what problem it's trying to solve. So um, th those are just a couple of the things with ROI calculators where 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 folks need to be be careful. Yeah, absolutely. Did you find this to be more prevalent in terms of usage in the software space? Did 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 that come out a lot from salespeople? Absolutely, because it's so hard to to put a, a cost on on the benefit of a software solution in many instances, especially if you look at it from that approach versus looking at it from trying to solve a problem approach. So you're trying to, like, how do I calculate this and make it look pretty and sophisticated and, and get the client to say, wow, I didn't realize giving you this amount of money will mean this in savings, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's, yeah, it is probably much more prevalent in, um, in the software industry, the calculator itself, although right. almost every industry talks about your return on investment. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, Donald Hatter is my guest. You're listening to BizLocker Radio. We're going to take our first time out, pay a few bills. We'll come back on the other side and ask you to join us as we continue our conversation with Donald, talking about his brand new book, 10 Things Great Sales Leaders Don't Do. Avoid these sales blunders and improve your performance. We talked about a couple already. Try to create a compelling event. That's a blunder many times because it's your event and not theirs. And also relying too heavily on ROI calculators. Much, much more to come. Really good stuff from Donald Hatter. Things that you can get that are going to improve your performance today. Stay with us. We'll be back after the timeout. I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to BizLocker Radio on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One -on -one Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step -step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. From the boardroom to you. 
Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to The Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to Biz Locker Radio. Great to have you with us as we roll into the second segment of episode number 81, The Business Locker Room, brought to you each and every week by The Business Locker Room, of course, and also by our good friends at Rehearsal. I want to tell you a little bit about them and why we like them so much. They're the title sponsor of the show, and they have just a phenomenal product. If you're a salesperson, and today we're talking sales with uh, Donald Hatter, and we'll continue to do so in just a moment, but if you're in the sales world, you, you recognize that your salespeople need to practice, and I'd rather have them practice in the office, Donald, than practicing on my clients. You know what I'm saying? So the, the issue is how do you get people to practice when they really don't feel comfortable with it, especially in front of their peers? Rehearsal.com is a tool you need to take a very close look at. It gives you the opportunity to create live role play and practice and best practices, training videos, and much, much more where people can practice in the privacy of their own office. They can role play and work on specific techniques and ideas without all of the issues that go along with it in many people's minds. Really want to encourage you to jump on board and find Rehearsal.com and we welcome them as a title sponsor of the show. We turn our attention back to um, Donald Hatter, author of 10 Things That Great Sales Leaders Don't Do and uh, also welcome in my good friend from uh, Seattle, Miles Austin, who will join us in the last segment for the X's and O's segment. We do that every week, and we got a great tool to talk about today. Miles, but a lot of what you're hearing from Donald, uh, this stuff resonates for salespeople, yes? Well, it does. You know the thing that resonates. Hi, Donald, by the way. Nice seeing you. Hey, Miles. Hi. How you doing? Good. Um, you know what, what, what hits me just listening to you to go back and forth is um, I think anyone that's been in sales for more than about a month <laughs> would would hear in Donald's conversation that this is a guy that's been on the streets, he knows it, he understands it, he's lived, he's walked the walk and talked the talk, I guess. And so that's for me what is always enjoyable is when you you hear people that are actually out and have lived what we're talking about. Um, I'm enjoying it. I, I've had a great time listening to the first segment already. Good stuff. And Miles, while while we were at the break, I was talking to Donald about uh, what he does, you know, how he's gotten to where he's gotten. And, and Donald, you mentioned there's three things that you're always really interested in, in in terms of how you look knowledge and credibility. I forget what those three things were, but you said those are the three things that you're always trying to provide for your clients. Share that with the audience. So, so that when I um, when I work with with any prospect and or client, um, and I differentiate the two. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I always like to like to come across and be uh, be considered knowledgeable, credible, and helpful. Uh, because it, it, with most of the selling I was doing, it was always a matter of having to sell myself first, the company second, uh, and then the solution third. So people had to believe you, they had to trust you, um, and, and you actually had to help them. That's part of how you create the urgency um, as you go throughout some of these sales cycles. You help work with them um, so that they can get your solution through procurement, for example. Um, and, 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 and just in terms of a lot of the type of selling I did, you had to work with one person and you were hoping they'd lead you to another. So right. when you did things like show up late to a meeting or if you weren't prepared, your chances of getting introduced to their boss, for example, would be would be uh, tremendously difficult. So that that was always kind of my mantra, you know, to come across as being knowledgeable, credible and helpful. 
You know, it's it's really interesting as you say that. I think back in, in 30 some odd years of selling for me, how many salespeople, Donald, uh, and you don't even mention these blunders, they're almost simplistic to go into to, to your book, but silly things like missing meetings or not following up on phone calls or not getting the information you said you were going to get to people. I mean, people shoot themselves in the foot from the get-go and, and, and then wonder why they can't succeed. And, you know, at the end of the day, like all of this um, is about really managing the perception of your value and the value of what you're offering. Um, so a lot of these blunders, uh, the underlying tone is people are doing things to negatively impact that perception. Um, and that that's what kind of some of what you're talking about, right? If you don't right. you don't follow up to an email or you can't show up on time or you can't really effectively manage the meeting, which is is really a big deal. Um, you know, you, 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 all those things, all those things count and all those things matter. And one of the things is that I really wanted to talk about or mention briefly is that I, I say sales leaders, but the book was really written for any anybody um, who is responsible for leading and or influencing major sales efforts. Right. Um, so so a lot of the, a lot of the blunders could be made by someone that's loosely associated with the sales cycle, for example. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the account executive or the sales manager. I mean, I talk about an example where we had a million dollar deal on the table and a product marketing person came and let the, the, the major business owner go to sleep because she was talking about something that was completely irrelevant. And the guy literally, he literally fell asleep in the meeting and it was like, oh my gosh. Anyway, so, <laughs> so, but, 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 you know, so it was written so that companies, um, in a way such that, and, and it's a quick read, it's an easy read. So it's written in a way such that a CEO who's not part of the sales organization, but may go on visits to the clients would kind of flip through and sit there and say, hey, okay, maybe I, I'm doing a couple of these things and it impacts it impacts company revenue. So, um, and, and some of the things, it's hard for an individual account executive to even tell, you know, his boss, like, you're not adding any value. <laughs> we don't really need you in the meeting, right? How do, how, do, how, do you, how do you say that without it being a career-limiting move? But the reality <laughs> is a lot of people who are loosely associated with sales cycles will join and come in and commit these blunders. So the book really is, um, you know, leaders, right? I, I think I've heard you say leaders um, or leading is the art and science of getting work done through others, right? So yes. really the book could have been titled, you know, great leaders who are involved with sales efforts don't do these things, right? Because um, it could, you know, it could be the, the CEO, the product marketing person. It could be a sales engineer, Absolutely. right? And so... And, and I didn't think they would they would read a book of well how do you sell right because the, the cop out is I don't sell I'm not you know so yeah. I've read you know quit whining and start selling but somehow I have a feeling the CEO is not going to read that book right <laughs> I'm not whining and I'm not selling <laughs> so why am I reading it, right <laughs> but no you're doing these blunders so why don't you just take a quick peek and um, so anyway I, I wanted to kind of kind of mention that so very good Miles. Yeah, as I listened, one of the things that struck me was when I was, and you hit it early on, Donald, and you're talking about, look, I could have put 15 or 20 blenders in there, um, but you, you picked those 10. Do you, are you finding that there's maybe some new blenders that maybe didn't even exist four or five years ago in selling that with all the changes taking place in the, in the buyer's lives and in the selling activity, did you find some that are really fresh and new that you wouldn't have written about five years ago? Well... 
Not necessarily. Uh, so mind you, though, I just published a book in October. So, so there are others that that I could have written about, um, and, and they're you know they're probably fifty. Um, but but at the end of the day, I think all blunders just um, what they are just simple things that that um, make it harder for you to deliver your value proposition. Uh, so um, there there probably are some others that I could think about that are pretty interesting that I could have put in the book. Yes. Well, social media has clearly changed the landscape quite a bit and how we deal with prospects and so forth. One, one of the things that you brought up, one of the big blunders, was spending time with the wrong prospects. And I think that's, that's kind of one of those blunders that transcends everything. You know, we just see salespeople tend to take the path of least resistance, and sometimes they figure out they're not even dealing with somebody that can sell, you know, can buy something from them. Uh, what, what caused you to choose that one? I, you know, I, I think that's that's pretty important, uh, only because a lot of times when we're managing sales teams, for example, we get really caught up into metrics, right? How many calls did you make? How many presentations did you make? How many people did you see? And it's really never the – and we, we think if we increase the quantity, we're going to increase the quality. And that, that's just a big misnomer, right? Just because I speak to 10 people versus 20 people, it doesn't mean that the extra 10 are going to be valuable. Right. And oftentimes what we talk about and what we see are like the top sellers in an organization aren't the most active. Right. It's, it's, it's often the reverse. Right. They're 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 talking to people that are spending money. So therefore, they're not talking to people that aren't spending money. And it works out really well. And this is what I've always thought. I thought the difference between a, a good salesperson, someone that was really great. Are really, really successful is that the really successful people figured this out really quickly. They didn't waste a lot of time with people that weren't spending. It's just, it sounds simple, but in practice, it's one of those things that we, we ignore, right? Yeah, just I, make more calls. Like, I don't need to make more calls. I need to call the right people. Yeah, and I don't Miles, need to call the wrong people. Yeah, Miles, I'm sure you can relate to this too. And then you've got HR that wants to pop in in the annual performance review and say, see how well you did? If you just made 20% more calls, you'd be that much better, right? <laughs> you ever seen that, Miles? Uh, oh, no, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and the truth is that's why, that's one of the reasons when you get people from marketing or from HR involved in the conversation at this time of year about what we're going to set for next year's goals or quotas. It's numbers to them, and they have no idea. Uh, I always laugh because, to me, it's usually the first indication that the person that's setting these goals has no clue what they're talking about, if that's the approach. is all numbers, as Donald pointed out. Hey, if you're just joining us on Blab, thanks for joining us here because it's great to have you live on Blab or, of course, live on Voice America as well. And you can always find the podcast at bizlockerradio.com after the fact so you can listen you can watch whatever works for you and you can do like I do I download the uh, I subscribe to iTunes download it and listen to it on my daily commute uh, on Bluetooth off of my iPhone so that works out really well for me Donald one of the things that I really really I got to tell you one of the the blunders that I really wanted to talk about was uh, number 8 let others control meetings I I I really found that one to be interesting and compelling and probably not one of the first that I would have come up with in terms of ideas. But I, I just love what you had to write about that. Tell us more about that one. So, so a lot of times when um, you sell to, and I think this is more relevant, uh, the larger the company you're dealing with, the larger the prospect. So when you're selling to, or when I was selling to a lot of these Fortune 500 companies, and you, uh, you essentially had to meet with 
20 different people before they gave you whatever money it is you were asking for, your ability to, to get through to all of those people in large part was, was um, dictated based upon how you did in each meeting. So if you showed up and you made the client feel like he's really on top of it, it's easier for him, for me to invite him back to tell the story than it is for me to run away and try and, and tell it myself. And the more people believed in you and the more comfortable they were with you and the more, um, I guess, the, the more thorough the meeting was, um, the better your chances were are were of getting in front of those other people that were involved in the buying decision. So uh, the flip is the flip side is dangerous, right? If you show up and it looks like uh, you, you don't handle the meeting well and you're long-winded and you let people fall asleep or you know, <laughs> you five minutes five minutes left in the meeting you're like, "Hey, hey, I want to show you this 30-minute demo." And and it, you know, people start running out the door your ability to get that next meeting just decreases. I mean, I, right. I and I'm I'm confident I have walked into organizations as the vendor in second or third place and walked out of the meeting in first place because people are like, that's who I want to deal with. Right. Uh, and, oh, can you come back and and we if you do it correctly, you'll start scheduling the next meeting in the meeting. Yes, absolutely right. right. It's like, hey, well, can you come back and meet with? Our general counsel, oh, sure, let's go ahead and schedule that now. So w once again, there's there's ways to handle the meeting, and there's little things that you can do. And, and I'm one of those people that goes overboard, right? So I believe there's certain places that you sit in the meeting. There's certain times that you show up. You want to be early, but you don't want to be too early such that you interrupt the person's prior prior meeting, for example. So there's so many little things that you really, really can do to be more detail-oriented such that it, you just come across as, as being more valuable to the prospect. Yeah, I love that. Tell, tell me some of the little things that if you were counseling a brand new salesperson, they were going into their first meeting, what are some of the real critical things you'd be looking for to sort of uh, give them some insight and in, into how to do it better? And, and uh, so, Sure. So, so one, sh show up and and be prepared. So realize if you have a meeting scheduled from one to two, and you need to you need to come in and uh, demo some things. So you need to make sure your computer's set up. Blah blah. Don't don't show up at one o'clock, and then play with the computer till one fifteen, and then start the meeting because you've you've already lost time. Another thing, um, that may seem intuitive, but not everybody does it. Another thing that um, I do is I, I I always stand up in the meeting. Right, so I let people know that I, I'm actually in control. I'll um, I'll look at my watch and I'll say I'll confirm the time. How much time do we have? They'll say, y y I don't know, an hour or whatever. And you're like, okay, so whatever time they give you, you let them know. Okay, that's fine. I'll make sure we go every go over everything we need. Um, so it's little things like that, right? The showing up at the right time, uh, doing the introductions correctly. Uh, standing up so that people realize you're in control, confirming the time so that they understand, hey, you're going to get through everything you need to get through. So there's no need um, for them to, to worry about it or or to rush you. Right. Because that's what happened a lot of times. They'll be like, I don't want to see a PowerPoint. I saw all the stuff on your website. I just want to see the technology. It's like, well, and then you can't do any discovery or anything like that. And it's like, well, no, we're not really going to run the meeting that way. <laughs> we're going to run it <laughs> like I, I do this for a living. <laughs> I got this down. I promise you, I know how to get through and give you all the information you need and et cetera. So like I said, a large part of it is just 
letting people know that that you're in control you actually have it right not that you're the boss but you're in control of the situation you'll disseminate all the information you'll answer all the questions you need and we'll leave time for action items etc so those are just some of the little things um, um, that we, we talk about in the book Good stuff miles Donald, I was just going to say that's your next book, buddy, because I agree. I, you know, and it's funny because it translates into any kind of meeting, not just a face-to-face in the conference or meeting. Kelly will tell you I I do a lot of things over the web, and I can't tell you how many times ten minutes before we go live, I've got someone calling me or texting me going, "Hey, how do I set this thing up? And can we do a test run?" Right? It's like, come on, guy. And to your point. You've done it. You know what to do. Get your demo quick. Make sure you have your equipment ready. Um, I, I've ridden with a lot of reps over the years in my career, and um, I think just going in with an agenda, many times they're just they don't want to have that what they thought was boldness to have an agenda that they provide because the customer is the you know historically they're going to let the customer drive the conversation. Your guidance is really, really welcome here on this topic. Yeah, thank you. See, Kelly will tell you I've been pinging him all day asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like to be in control. Well, hey, <laughs> and, and we we actually like that because uh, there, as, as you know, because you're doing this today, we're live on Blab, we're live on the radio. You know, we've got a lot of moving parts, and yet you've done it uh, almost flawlessly uh, in terms of what we've had some experiences in the past. So we we like that. But but I think your point's a good one. As we get ready to take our next time out, uh, it, it, your point's a good one. So many salespeople think they can show up and wing it, and because they're very smart and very articulate and they can get up and tap dance really well they think they're going to get a deal and people can see that stuff coming a mile away Donald and they just hate it yeah yeah they they it doesn't it doesn't go over well and, and Miles made it, brought up a good point um, with a lot of these things in the book are really <laughs> I got are, are, are really are really helpful to to those that aren't in traditional sales roles and since the book I've had so many different conversations talking to people about some of these things that they should or shouldn't be doing because we're all salespeople. I mean, some people find that offensive language, um, but the reality is we're always selling or we're always managing the perception of our value, whether it be in an interview for a promotion or whether it be a project, right? So even if I'm pitching a project to some executives, I should be controlling the meeting, right? I shouldn't just walk in there and, and wing it or say, here's a brief. I hope you read it. Any comments? So um, like I said, a lot of the things in the book translate very well to, to, to other people in terms of their career development. Boy, just a great place to conclude. Excellent uh, stuff from Donald Hatter. Find him online at donaldhatter.com. Follow him on Twitter at dhatterjr, dhatterjr. And you're going to want to grab a copy of the book. Yes, it's a quick read, as you heard Donald mention. Uh, but uh, 10 things that great sales leaders don't do, avoid these sales blunders, improve your performance. It's not just for salespeople. It's for anyone who could influence a sale. Donald, can't thank you enough, man. Thanks for joining us here on BizLocker Radio. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, that is, that is great stuff. Hey, we're going to take our final time out, and we'll come back on the other side, and Miles Austin and I will jump in, and we'll talk about a brand-new sales productivity tool that you're going to want to know about. And uh, by the way, next week in the X's No segment, we're going to review all the tools that I am now using because of Miles and the X's No segment. So we'll give you the best of the best next week 
and that's the show that we'll have Josh Miles on to talk about his 12 post series on the business locker room about branding and identity as well. We'll take that final time out. We'll come back on the other side. We'll be joined by Miles Austin. I'm Kelly Riggs, and this is Biz Locker Radio on Voice America. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network kelly riggs is an author a highly acclaimed speaker and a sales strategist and leadership coach now in his ninth year as founder and president of the business locker room kelly has written two books one-on-one management what every great manager knows that you don't and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, back to Biz Locker Radio. I'm Kelly Riggs, and what a fantastic segment with Donald Hatter. If you missed it, you got to go find his book. It's a great one. It's called 10 Things That Great Sales Leaders Don't Do. The thing I really like about it is there in, inside of that book are 10 really good sales meetings for your sales team. So if you're looking for something to jumpstart the conversation about blunders that are impacting sales that you can actually address and get some guidance on, donaldhatter.com is where you can find that book. Uh, great to have you. Thanks for joining us on Blab as well. We turn our attention to the X's and O's segment. Miles Austin, you can find him at fillthefunnel.com. Follow him on Twitter at Miles Austin. Anybody who is anybody is following Miles Austin until they follow him for a little while and then they figure out he's just an average guy like the rest of us. <laughs> How you doing, Miles? I'm doing good. Yeah, someone said, yeah, he puts his pants on like everyone else. I said, well, that's strange. I haven't put pants on for about a month. <laughs> it's always from about here up. Uh, he is the video guru. By the way, earlier in the year, we did a big series on video. We need to revisit that, talk a little bit about video, because as even before we did that series, Miles, Blab came on the scene, and you and I have adopted Blab. You even more so than me. Take just a quick second and tell people about the series that you've been doing here on Blab. I've been doing a series every every business morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time. If you just go to Blab and you just type in in the search bar, just type in uh, the word fire starters, uh, fire starters, and uh, it'll be at the end of the month. It'll be a total of about 28 of these interviews. They're typically about 12 to 15 minutes. 
and we ask a simple series of two questions. How do you start each day? What routine? What process? What do you do every morning to kickstart your day and make sure that you have the success that you're achieving in your business and in your life? Uh, it's been a fantastic series, and I don't say that because I've been a guest, which I was privileged to be, but there have been some stellar people that Miles has interviewed on Firestarters, and it's right here on Blab. You can find it if you're following us on Blab now, or if you're listening on the radio or the podcast, go to blab.im, no www, just https colon two slashes blab. I am, and you can find it. Type in Firestarters in the search bar. You're going to want to listen to these 20 minutes, really quick and easy, and just really, really good stuff. Well, let's turn our attention to the uh, tool of the week, Miles. Uh, the X's and O's segment, as you and I dreamed it up 80 shows ago, this being number 81, was to bring something uh, to the show, some productivity tool that people could use to really change what they do on a daily basis. What do you got on tap for us today? Well, you know, it's really funny because I have not heard of this tool up until about a week ago. And one of my interviews, believe it or not, was with Jeff Shore on my Firestarter series. And he mentioned this tool. And I went and checked it out, and I was blown away. I thought, you know, it's, I've only said this one other time in my life. I said, where have you been all my life? <laughs> um, it, it really is one of those tools that was quick. It was easy. It was completely intuitive. Um, and the tool is called Follow Up Then, T-H-E-N followupthen.com um, and you know it's really funny but we've talked about inboxes before and how to kind of get control of it but if you think about it how many times have you looked at the same message sitting in your inbox that you kept there just so you don't forget it right right yeah um, absolutely and, and for me that's one of the challenges that I'm struggling with I've got tens of thousands of emails because I've kind of used my email box uh, within Outlook as a database, right? And so what happens, though, is you do that, and then you start to feel it, and it gets clogged up, and, and very frankly, performance starts to go. So um, what you'll do with follow-up then, there's a whole bunch of capabilities, but um, the best way to look at this is what you'll do is you'll send a message to yourself, but basically you forward. So let's say that, Kelly, you've sent me an email, and I want to get to it, but it's not something I want to do right now. I don't even need to do it until next Tuesday, let's say, right? right? I simply send it to myself at whatever my account is and the, the keyword you use, at followupthen.com. So let's say that I, wanna, I don't want to address this until after the first of the year. Right. I would simply write, I would take your email that I want to get to the first part of January, and I would simply forward that once I've set up my account. I would forward it to three weeks at followupthen.com, and then I'll get that mail back on Monday, the uh, January 11th. Right? Um, it, it's wow. <laughs> pretty phenomenal because what it does for me, and I've just started, as I said, about a week ago, but to explore this, it's taking all of the emails out of my inbox. No, so I'm not getting the old ones out of there yet. I got to do that over the holiday, <laughs> hopefully. But right. right. But, I mean, it, it really gives me the ability because, as I said, I've used my, my inbox almost as my to-do list, um, at least to drive the creation of my to-do list. Yeah, absolutely right. Miles Austin joins us as we talk X's and O's. Brand new product called followupthen.com. And let me segue for just a minute. You'll notice at the bottom part of the screen, you'll see rehearsal.com. I put that up as we change 
uh, over the cameras so that you can see our title sponsor. We are huge fans of rehearsal and what it enables us to do. And it's again, it's just one of those great tools that make you more productive. Rehearsal, by the way, is, a, is something that you can use with your salespeople. If you're in the sales business, to do live role play in a way that really makes it productive for your salespeople. Go check it out. Followupthen.com reminds me of some of the other tools we've talked about, not specifically because they're like them, but because they're those really quick helpers, Miles, that you can do something, get it out of your way, and still know that you've got control over it down the road. What I loved as I was looking at that, if I wanted to deal with it tomorrow, I could just put in 24 hours at followupthen.com and it comes back to me tomorrow, or a week, or two weeks, or whatever. So I'm afraid you're going to start using this on me when I say, hey, who are, who's our guest in two weeks? And you're going to say, I'll deal with that next week. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I won't even hear from you. But it is a great way to clean up your inbox uh, based on what you've done so far. Have you found it to be pretty easy to implement? Uh, absolutely so. Let me tell you, and, and this show is a perfect example, Kelly, where in addition to what we just talked about, you can also integrate uh, messaging, uh, text messaging into this same service. So. Let's say that um, you know I'll use our show every week, and I've got to get on about uh, a half an hour before we go live, right? Yep. And I have it in my calendar, but sometimes I'm out traveling or I'm on the road and I'm rushing to get back to the office or to the studio. Um, I can set it up by using my text messaging. So if I do that and I have in my inbox, I have, hey, there's a uh, maybe next week's meeting or let's say this week's meeting a week ago, and I, we're going to meet with Don, Donald Hatter on the show. I can go in and I can send a date and time dash SMS at followupthen.com. What that does is that then sends me an email back at that time, but it also sends me a text message with that same reminder to my cell phone. Wow. I mean, that's huge because there's so many times, especially on a busy day, even more so when I'm out of the office and I'm running like crazy, whether it's airports or offices or commuting, whatever it might be, that text message sometimes is the thing that saves me from being embarrassed. As Donald said, you can't make, can't be late for an appointment. Um, this helps me not be late for that appointment. Yeah, that's that's really good stuff. And as I'm looking at the website, followupthen.com, if you're on Blab, we've put type that into the uh, message bar so you can find it. It's being used by a lot of heavyweights out there in, in, in industry, including a lot of uh, media outlets that are using this. It's, it's, it's really interesting as I look at it. But here, here's my question. How does it know that it's me? If I send an email like three days at followupthen.com because I want to get I want to get it back in three days, <laughs> how do they know it's me? It's magic. <laughs> well, yeah, clearly it's something. It's way yeah, no, my you, head. You, you do some integration when you sign up. There's some things you'll do Internally to to add this into your system, so there's a, there's a you know very brief setup, very easy to do, um, but yeah, so it, it know it it knows it's you. I don't get your emails, Kelly. They all go right back to you. Yeah, that, that's that's what I'm worried but, about. But think about this: you actually one of the things that that follow up then can do is you can use those emails in your inbox as a way to create a to do list for someone else, right? Right. So you can use it. Uh, let's say that you want to follow up with the prospect in three months. Yes, if you have CRM, some of you do. I know, honestly, I know for a fact a lot of you don't. Great way to do it. Send it for three months in advance to call this person you're doing. You can use it to track um, uh, if your emails have been opened. If someone has a birthday, you can send a note and use it that way and just say, you know, if, if it's a, 
a birthday, you can say uh, whatever, uh, December 21st at follow-up then. Um, and what happens is now I know, here's what my reminder is, and it's Kelly's birthday or whatever it might be. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things. You know, we think, you, you would think, I would think, that with all the tools that are out there, Miles, I mean, there are so many calendars, to-do lists, and all this kind of thing out there. You would think this would never be a problem, but for some reason, at least in my experience, when it's email, for some reason, it turns out to be different. I mean, we, you can send yourself reminders to Evernote and all different kinds of things. But this is just a very simple, easy tool. And by the way, did we mention? Yes, it's free, absolutely free. You've got a pro version that does that, has all the bells and whistles, and it is a towering $5 a month. I mean, it's a, it's a nice little investment in a tool that's going to do a lot of things for you, at least based on what you're telling me today. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, I mean, and the truth is, um, in fact, it's funny. I just... Uh, um, go through and it's like okay you can integrate this into your calendar um, you can use it on mobile it's or they have a really neat capability they even you know how we talked about bitly and other URL shorters in the past yes. uh, shorteners yes. in the past they even have a little shortener called uh, fut.io so I mean uh, you know follow up then.io now if you're on a phone you're not having to type all that stuff in on your phone so uh, it, it's really a neat capability I think you know it's uh, it's one of those tools I told Jeff Shore after he mentioned it on the show. I went back to him and said, how long have you been using it? And he's been using it for a while now. I said, anything you change? He said, no. He said, these guys have a cupboard. They keep coming up with new capabilities. Um, and it really I think it really could make a difference in people's productivity going into 2016. Well, special thanks to Jeff Shore. People may not know he's a part of the group that Miles and I are associated with, a group of sales training professionals across the country. And uh, he's also been a coach right here on the Business Locker Room. He's written blog posts for us throughout 2015. Really thankful that he's been a part of what we're doing. Well, we just got a couple of minutes left, Miles. Let's talk a little bit about next week because next week we're going to wrap up an entire year of shows. It's the first full year we've done. It'll be 82 shows in the can next week when we finish as we wrap up 2015 and what I want to do in next week's X's and O's segment is talk about a handful of a really significant tools that you've introduced that I've begun to use and I know have had dramatic impact for others as well. Let me put you on the spot and this is going to be tough because you've you've had 40 or 50 tools this year already. Name one off the top of your head that's really had an impact on your productivity. Oh boy, you're right. There's so many of them, Kelly. I mean, There's I literally yeah, I mean, my day, my day is run. It's dictated and usually scheduled by tools. It really is. <laughs> I, um, I mean, you know, if some someone asked me this a couple of weeks ago, I was doing an interview, and they said, "What's the most important tool of all of them? You have to only pick one. What's the most important tool for your business?" Not even. And most. I, and I said, "Well, it's funny. I surprised them, and I might surprise you. Do you have any guess what I said?" Um. The single one, oh, wow, this single one, uh, Evernote? Um, good tool, very helpful um, in certain scenarios, right? The right. most important tool I have in business across everything I do, social media, speaking, writing, everything, uh, communication, newsletters, whatever it is, the number one tool I have is WordPress. Ah, I didn't even think about that one because Miles didn't introduce that one here on the show, so that one didn't even enter my idea. Hey, that's going to do it for today's show. I hate to cut that one short, but we're going to talk about it a lot more next week. Make sure you join us. Special thanks to Donald Hatter for being our guest. Find him at DonaldHatter.com. 
And special thanks to Miles. FillTheFunnel.com. He's the web tools guy. They call him that for a reason. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Miles Austin. Special thanks to Justin Jackman. He's our engineer making us sound good this week. And make sure you find us at BizLockerRadio.com. We're going to see you next time right here on Voice America. I'm Kelly Riggs. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Biz Locker Radio with Kelly Riggs. For more compelling interviews and cutting-edge business content, make sure you join us here again next week. Biz Locker Radio airs every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 3 p.m. Central Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information, visit bizlockerradio.com. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Biz Locker Radio is presented by the Business Locker Room. All rights reserved. Opinions expressed by guests on the show may not be the opinions of Business Locker Room Incorporated.